When I was asked to preach today, I was really excited about it because becoming like Jesus uh, really matters to me <laughs> a lot. And uh, I think it matters to us as followers of Jesus. And over the last few weeks, we've talked about it quite a bit. Um, Dave was talking about the kind of triad of Christ-likeness, knowing, obeying, and loving like Jesus. And last week, Ruthie talked about how perfect love, the perfect love of God casts out fear. And today, I think I, I get to maybe bring these two things together a little bit, uh, looking at 1 John 5, 1 through 5. And I think it really marries together this practical life with Jesus, knowing him, loving like him, and how to live fearlessly in the love of God. And I think there's a really surprising statement about it, which is that this way of life is unburdensome to us. So let's read from 1 John 5, 1 through 5. You can open up or it's going to be on the screen behind me. John writes that everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's pray. God, I really, really love you. I really appreciate you. Jesus, we welcome the ways that you're a God of power and humility, kindness, steadfastness, delight. We love these things about you, God. We're, we welcome that. We open our hearts to that. You're gracious and merciful. You're just. You're attentive. We thank you, God. We open to you. And we pray that you would illuminate, Holy Spirit, these scriptures to us so that we can learn from them in ways that affect us. Uh, in like tectonic shifting kinds of ways within our souls that would turn us into, uh, transform us into the, the kind of lovers that you would have us be agents of redemption on this planet. So God, we love you. That's what we're here for. Help me, God. I'm a, I'm a humble man at your service, Lord. Help me to be in, bring the small and the big that I have to offer in service to my brothers and sisters today. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, like I said, we've been in a series called Becoming Like Jesus, and a few weeks ago during Dave's sermon, he, he said this about becoming like Jesus. He says, becoming like Jesus is to take in and study the life of Christ, meditate on it, and practice in every way to bring our own lives into conformity with his teachings. And today, I'm going to add one piece, which I think is important. Uh... So becoming like Jesus, take in, study the life of Christ, meditate on it, practice on it, put our lives into conformity with his teachings, which is not burdensome. And I believe this is true for these three reasons. First of all, the alternative is burdensome, and we're badly in need of Jesus' help. Second, faith in Jesus doesn't, does the heavy lifting of transforming our identities and third, our transformed identities 
find unburdened expression in God's command of love. So we're going to go through these one by one. So first, the alternative is burdensome and we're badly in need of Jesus's help. A fun thing about preparing for a sermon is like uh, over the last couple weeks as I knew I was going to be teaching on this, it's like everything was kind of like through the lens of these passages. And, um, and so I was on BART the other day and uh, like basically every good story for me starts on BART. And, uh, uh, <laughs> there's just so much life happening in one place <laughs> and it is wild out there. <laughs> but I w- this time... Um, Maybe you've seen the uh, priority seating sections on BART where it says like, um, there's a little sign, priority seating, and uh, there's like a little image of a man with like a seeing eye cane and a pregnant woman and an elderly person with a cane. And it says like, these are priority sorting for the seating for these places. And under it is like this very strong like command, like federal law requires that you give up your seat for a person uh, who is handicapped or in need of the seat, right? So uh, I wanted a seat, and there was only one seat left, and uh, that was the priority seat. So I was like, okay, I'm going to sit in this seat, no big deal, and I know if somebody who needs it comes up, I will, I will in a second, in a heartbeat, offer this seat. I'm going to, like, keep the federal law, no problem. <laughs> and, um, and so I'm sitting, and I'm, like, kind of on my phone, like, tinkering around, And then next thing I know, there's like a woman in the non-priority seating sitting next to me. She looks up to a woman and and she's just like, you want a place to to sit? And um, and then she was just like, yeah. And so this this woman gets out of her seat, gives her her seat up right here. And then this older woman like sits there. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I didn't even notice. I didn't even like see that there was like an elderly person who needed a seat. What's wrong with me? Like, uh, and this is like my neurotic like spinning going on, right? Maybe some of you can relate to this, but I was just like, and, and so I like made a quick statement to this woman. I was just like, oh gosh, uh, to both of them actually. I was just like, oh, sorry, I didn't even notice, right? And I can just feel in me this like welling up of like, I need to justify myself. I need to like make sure that they know that I'm a good guy. Um, and... Uh, and I just made a little mistake, right? Like, that's what I need them to know. And I feel like it's sort of, it's sort of absurd. This is what goes on in my mind. And, um, and I keep, like, ruminating on it. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, I, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And um, luckily, like, there was this moment where uh, another elderly woman came up. And, <laughs> and I looked at her, and I was just like, oh, would you like my seat? <laughs> and and um, and as I was reflecting on that, I was just like um, very satisfied with myself. <laughs> and and weirdly, there was one one layer to it where it was just like, okay, I I was in this very kind of performative mindset in this. Like, I need to make sure that like I like master this law. I'm like successful in keeping this federal law. I need to like do it really, really well. And then as I was like uh, sitting with that thought, like now I'm standing up on bar, like holding the thing, um, I start thinking about this verse and how um, God isn't about our performance. Uh, yeah, he, he's after something bigger, more beautiful than that. And um, he's about a grace 
that we have received being passed forward to other people. And I think there's an unburdenedness to that way of life. And that's what Jesus invites us into. And so while I was there, like in this performance anxiety of like, oh no, I need to make sure that I'm watching out, like hyper-conscious of like the, the next little old lady to come by so I can give her my seat, I, I thought of this verse. Um, this is from Matthew 11, uh, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And my soul was not at rest when I was in that performance kind of mindset. Um, and Jesus offers us a spiritual rest that brings ease and gentleness uh, to our heart by his gentleness, by his humility. And it takes us out of this like striving performance, like got to keep the law mindset. And I think it frees us, uh, and which by the way, I think this is a fundamentally self-absorbed way of living. Like it's about, like these, this woman became like a way for me to prove that I'm like a good guy, right? Um, but instead there's this opportunity to like pivot into love and grace and actually being about and for another human being, this is what Jesus frees us up to do. And there's a way to do commands that's burdensome and it's this performative way. And the way that is unburdensome is gracious. And we get second shots with this stuff. I got a second shot that day on BART. And not only that, but two little old ladies got a seat instead of one. Like, that's the redemption of God at work. It becomes a privilege and honor to, like, to be an agent of this. And, and in these acts of service and love, it is something that we receive. It's not something that we earn, right? This is grace. And we're, we're, about, we're about this grace and not about earning some sort of reward. And it's a love that is unselfconscious, a love that is not self-protective or self-proving, but actually self-giving. That's what Jesus invites us into. And I think this is true, that through faith in Jesus, this is what 1 John 5 is going to teach us. Through faith in Jesus, we have transformed identities that find unburdened expression in God's command to love. Through faith in Jesus, we have transformed identities that find unburdened expression in God's command to love. Or if you like charts like me, I, I whipped up this chart. Um, so uh, maybe it's a little hard to understand. It makes sense to me. Let me so it's like, there's this like first layer, it goes left to right, it reads left to right. Um, so there's this faith, this fact that Jesus chooses us and then in, that's the call. In response, we believe in him back. We have faith back. We believe in Jesus. Um, this results just by us believing in a transformed identity. Through faith in Jesus, we are children of God. We are named victorious. This is what 1 John 5 teaches us. And this naturally flows into this unburdened expression of love for God, love for other believers, and love for the world. So we're going to work through this. So first of all, this faith in Jesus part and how it transform us, transforms us, I think faith in Jesus does the heavy lifting of transforming our identities. In 1 John 5, it describes the way that belief makes us children of God and victorious overcomers. Notice that it's belief. It's, it's not like, uh, like doing, performing certain tasks or something like that. That's not the thing. 
Um, it's belief. So in 1 John 5, 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And 5, 4 through 5, everyone born of God overcomes this world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. It's belief in Jesus that makes us children of God, belief in Jesus that makes us victorious overcomers of the world in Christ. And I think these verses connect faith um, to identity change. By faith, by belief, Jesus does the heavy lifting of transforming us into children of God, victorious overcomers of the world. And now I want to like pause and highlight this for a second. So um, if we could just put that chart back up for one sec. Um, the, this is one way. This is one way to understand what's going on in our spiritual life, right? Um, I think it's actually one side of the same coin, all right? Um, this can be read left to right. I think it can also kind of be read right to left um, in an interesting way, like, there's a way that our, our regular practice of love for God, love for other believers, love for the world, um, this is part of what transforms us as well. Maybe there's kind of like a arrows, like kind of like redu- reduce, reuse, recycle, kind of connecting these two parts, right? Um, and, and these two are, are connected. They, they inform each other. Like the more we move in this love, the more we find that it's true about our identities and the more it's true about our identities, the more we move in this love. Um, so it can be read right to left too. I'm going to focus on just this one side of the coin, which is that through faith, we are transformed, which finds unburdened expression in love. And this is true because um, in a very true way, through belief, you are already like Jesus. Um, And so in a series about becoming like Jesus, like there's a process we're in. It's true. There's a process. And in a very real way, you're already like Jesus. Uh, why? Because God just named it so. Yeah. He just says so, right? And if the God of the universe says something's true about you, then it's true about you. It's true about us. And in some ways, I think sometimes we can treat the spiritual life as like, uh, I need to do more, I need to earn more. Uh, we get in like a video game mindset, like I need to level up. I need to like beat the next boss and then I'll be that much more holy. Um, that's, that's not the game. Um, if anything, like uh, it's, it's kind of like the game of Christianity. It's like, hey, we gave you the trophy. You won. Um, you won. You won. Now let's go for a fun run, right? Like, <laughs> and um, and while we're on that front run, like, it's still important and it still matters. And we're still going to learn more and we're still going to grow more. But we already won the race, guys. Now we're on the fun run, all right? So we simply respond to him in faith for what he's already said. He has given us, God has given us new identities. Lots of new identities, actually. Like, this, we're zooming in on First John 5 where it says that we're children of God. We're victorious in Christ. And now the question for me is like, what does it look like for us to be receptive to this new identity? Um, The image comes to mind of uh, sunbathing, right? So maybe you go out to the beach and I, you know, 
I think we're badly in need of sun right now. I feel like I've gotten a few shades lighter, uh, like over the last couple months. Like we're so just like imagine yourself like. My favorite beach is uh, Redondo Beach in Southern California, right? So I'm just imagining myself in Redondo Beach, wherever your favorite beach is, and you want to get some sun, right? Well, the cool thing about the sun is that it's just like shining if it's daytime, right? Uh, it's just there, and you're going to get sun if you're there. Um, if I want to sunbathe, then all I need to do is go out to the beach. Now, there's also some ways that I can be like extra ultra open to sunbathing, like you know, uh, get in my swimsuit and like angle towards the sun in this like way that it like lands on all of me. But this is like the grace of God. Um, the sun's always shining. The grace is always present, right? It's just always already there. It is something we always already get to receive. And we can angle ourselves to be more receptive, more open to it. That's true. I think this is like through things like prayer or um, reading the scripture, uh, fasting, what, what have you. Um, and we always already have it. This is the grace of God. And this is the grace that changes our identities. We get to receive an identity. And receptivity is, is, uh, is kind of the, the goal in this. Um, it's about like, hey, God, I'm ready to catch it. Like, toss it. Toss the fact that I'm a children of God and, uh, like, toss the fact that I'm victorious in Christ. I'm ready to catch it, right? So, this is the gift that we've been given, that we've been called these new, by these new identities. And if this is true, I think another thing is true, that our transformed identities, then, find unburdened expression in God's command of love. There's a difference between loving people to serve them and loving people to serve ourselves. They sometimes might even look the same, but I think we can kind of, we can feel the difference when it's happening. Um, thinking back on my example of being on BART, you know, this woman became an instrument for me to prove like that I'm a good guy. Uh, now, how much better for me to have just like been in a state of grace and compassion and this woman is this like this gift uh, this this person who I honor and I get to serve and of course like if that's the case it's easy to keep like this federal law of I need to give up my seat right because this woman like she matters in fact I might even give it up to a person who the law doesn't even require me to give it to, right? Um, because this is the kind of love and grace that we get to operate in. And why is this so? Because we are children in a very good family. Um, and think of like if maybe you have some really positive experiences with siblings or, or something like that. Like when, when we like live in... Uh, like an open, loving relationship with our siblings, it's actually like easy to do. Um, or uh, like other believers, I think it can feel easy to do sometimes. Not all the time. Don't get me wrong, not all the time, right? Um, but I think for that, there's a, another layer that's really cool, which is that we are labeled, we are named 
our identities are as overcomers. We are victors in Christ. So any frightening hurdles, those like turn into really challenging opportunities for the goodness of God to be put on display, the goodness of God's love to be put on display. Um, My, um, I I jokingly refer to him as like my, uh, my like, dead best friend I never met, Soren Kierkegaard. Like, I just, like, read him through, <laughs> met him and became good friends with him through reading his stuff. I love him. Uh, one of the things that he, he wrote is that um, if the way is to be good, it must be difficult. Because only difficulty inspires the noble-hearted. And so there's still challenges. It doesn't become super easy or anything. Um, It becomes unburdened, right? Because there's nothing for us to prove anymore. And yet, there's still difficulties. There's still hurdles. Uh, But Christ, who has overcome the world, he is now with us. And he has called us, similarly, victorious over the world. Um, And so this is the sort of mindset that allows, like, running into something that's really difficult and seeing, man, this is really good, And it calls out, we see this challenge, and it calls out, uh, instead of like, oh my gosh, I don't think I can handle this. What in the world am I going to do? It calls out the nobility of our hearts. The fact that we are like victorious in Christ now. That we are children of God now. We are agents of love in the world. The most difficult thing when we live out of our identities as children of God and victors in Christ. The most difficult thing becomes a challenge that God gets to hurdle the love of God, and, and we get to come from a place of confidence in that. So when we've received these identities, I believe there's a natural outflow of being a child of God, of being victorious, and it comes in the shape of love. There's a problem with this, and I've been alluding to it, which is like sometimes things don't feel this way. <laughs> right? Um, I, I certainly don't feel that victorious all the time, right? If so, I think I'd like go around like flexing everywhere I went, you know? That's what I imagine. Uh, just like ready to, ready to rumble everywhere I go. But that's not, uh, that's not fully how it feels. And I think this uh, is true. Um, one thing that I, that I love um, that Martin Luther said is, um, that we are simultaneously sinners and saints. Simultaneously sinners and saints. So in a very real way, like I've said, you know, reading this from left to right, like by faith, we are named children of God. We are named victorious. And um, this takes some working out in fear and trembling because we're still sinners too. Right? Um, And in fact, we're still sinners in some pretty dark ways. I mean, um, gosh, guys, like I, I have conversations with, with folks in our, in our church and like alcoholism is like a huge, huge struggle. Um, Fudging the numbers at work. Uh, having like this tendency towards manipulating people. 
And there's sometimes outright shows of hostility or aggression that we can get caught up in, or if not that, like interacting with people in very passive aggressive kinds of ways. It's dark, it's nasty, we're sinners still. And there's like flights of like sexual fantasy and pornography addiction. We might be ruminating on resentment, refusing to forgive, withholding forgiveness from people. There's like a variety of ways that like darkness is still amongst us um, because we're sinners and we need help. And this is actually the weariness and burdensomeness that Christ offers rest for. He sees our lot in life as sinners and he, he makes saints out of us, right? He just names it to be so. And there's still this res- residue that we're working out in the process, right? Like, uh, we still got these struggles in life. And one thing that I love about 1 John, John sees things in such um, a dark and light contrast, right? He ultra, ultra simplifies this stuff in ways that I think can be really helpful for a person like me who like overanalyzes and overcomplicates things. Um, he sees things in very, very simple, like, hey, if you're living in the dark, um, you are li- living in sin and hatred and fear, uh, you're actually like a child of the devil, he'll even say. And if you're, but if you're living in the light, you're living in love, you're living in confidence, victory, uh, you're living as a child of God. And I think in a very good way, it calls us to a simplicity for assessing the situation, right? I mean, there's a, quite a few like great things in life. Um, but maybe for those great things, we can still ask, well, what's darker and what's lighter? Um, that might be a really important discernment question for us. So what is actually helping me live into this like loving identity in Christ as a child of God, as a victor in Christ, and what's not? And I think oftentimes, this is what Ruthie was talking about, fear gets in the way. Fear gets in the way in big, big manifestations in our lives. Fear of what other people think, of rejection, of loss or of pain. And what I believe the law of love does is it frees us up to get out of a mindset of fear and like, you know, what what do other people think of being like, what's going to happen? And into a mindset of service and uh, adoration of another person. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you have been given a, a new nature, a new identity. And this is one of love. If you continue to to hate through hating yourselves or hating other people or living in self-destruction or sin, hanging on to bitterness or rage or um, any of these things, any things beyond this, uh, that's not you anymore. That is you living out of something that's like um, historical. It's a past thing. That's not you anymore. Uh, this is the way that Paul sees it, is like you have been given a new identity in Christ and that is one of like love and being a child of God. And this is who we really are now as believers in Jesus. And I think it makes sense. Like um, how often have we like heard phrases like, uh, like just be yourself or um, like, oh, I'm, I'm not really feeling myself today. 
right? Like we have this internal like intuition for the way that this feels. Like when we're not operating out of like who we really are. Um, I think this happens when we're not living out of the ways that Jesus has defined who we are. And of course that can be taken with all humility at the same time because we know we're, we're also kind of still sinners dealing with that. Um, and the one who's victorious over sin is within us has named us that as well. We are children of God, deeply loved, fully accepted. And I think this finds expression, natural expression, when we love. Because love gets us out of our own mindset of self-protection, of fear, and into a mindset of service, an orientation towards others, and how do I get to be for this person? How do I get to see flourishing in this person's life? And as I was reflecting on this, I was just wondering, like, where is a place in our church where we're feeling most burdened? Um, most burdened by living out the ways of Jesus in love. And I decided to pick, like, the very uncontroversial topic of dating. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, <laughs> thank you. Um, the... We got lots of, lots of people dating in our church. Uh, I'm, I'm actually uh, unmarried myself. I'm, I'm dating, uh, right? Um, and so um, this feels a little, if I'm vulnerable with you guys for a sec, this feels a little risky for me to say some of these things. Um, but I think they're, I, I they're going to bring hope and freedom to our church in ways that are important. So uh, listen up if you're kind of like in the dating world. And if you're not, listen up too so you can be like a, a caring person in support for our church. Um, I think there's probably some things really broken in our approach to dating that this scripture invites us to reconsider. Um, and part of it is that sometimes I think we get in this blame mindset of like we blame ourselves, like, oh, I'm not good enough, like, um, uh, I'm not attractive enough, whatever it might be. We, we might blame the other person, these people that we're going on dates with or something, like, oh, they're being too judgmental, they're being, like, uh, their expectations are too high or, or something along those lines. We might blame, like, the whole system. You might blame San Francisco and there's something wrong with this place. There's something wrong with these apps. Like, they're, like, um, they're, like, they're like, the world is against me on this thing, right? Um, and, and we can blame lots and lots of things. Lots and lots of things. Um, I'd like to submit that this is coming, coming out of a perspective that is fundamentally performative, right? Um, where there's a thought of like, I need to like, look a certain sort of way or be a certain kind of person in order to be attractive enough to like find love in the city. Um, and guys, like uh, that's not true anymore. That's really not true anymore. This, this is a game that's, uh, that's rigged for us to lose. Um, yeah, like we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna fail at this over and over again, okay? Um, because if it's about like performing in a certain way, like sitting across from this person, like this first date, like, like across the table, like, am I eating right? Am I like, do I look good enough? Am I like, interesting enough of a person? Uh, like, am I like 
doing enough humble bragging to like, <laughs> to show that I'm like a pretty decent person and like, uh, and guys, it's, um, again, that person becomes a way for me to prove like who I am. Um, and that's not how it needs to be anymore. All right. Uh, and not only this, like, uh, here, here's kind of the maybe even more insidious side of it, which is like, I'm sitting across from this person and I'm like, uh, I can get in this performance mindset and want to start judging this person. Like, like, oh, is this person going to live up to what I'm looking for? Right? Like, do they look how I want them to look? Do they act how I want them to act? Um, are they interesting enough? Do they eat right? You know, like, and it's absurdity, you guys. It's, it's a rat race. It is, it is a game rigged for us to lose, okay? Um, and I, I want nothing to do with that. I want our church to have nothing to do with that anymore, all right? Um, like, please hear me out on this. Like, this is my heart. This is like, this is pain central. This is like judgment central. This is pride central. This isn't the way of God, all right, to, to be in this sort of performance orientations toward dating. So what's the alternative? Like, here's, a, here's the really good news about dating, you guys. Like, there's, there's actually good news about dating. There's actually good news that if we come from this place where it's not about proving anything or performing or entertaining enough, like, uh, we get to live in the identities that Christ has given to us as believers in God, um, believers that he is the Lord, that he's the anointed one, where we are now children of God. We are fully loved. We are fully accepted. We are victors in Christ. Uh, we are children of God, the most high God. And that is so deeply, deeply true about us. And so what does this free me up to do on a date then? <laughs> like, uh, I, this has actual expressions. This, ha this actually finds natural expression, unburdened expression on a date, right? And that is, I get to love this person. I get to love this person in front of me. And look, it's not about them earning it, right? Uh, it's not about me earning their love either. That's already taken care of. It's already fully taken care of, all right? We already won the race. We're on the fun run now, right? <laughs> I get to be like for this person and want to see good stuff for them. To see their flourishing, to see their growth, to see them encouraged on a regular basis, right? We don't need to play this game. We don't need to play the game of self-proving, self-justification, performance. We get to live in the freedom that is here in loving another person. And look, this is a very, very non-exhaustive, like uh, there's, there's thousands of things that all of us would want to chime in about dating on. Like, and I, this is like the start of a conversation. Uh, let's put it that way, right? Um, a continuation of a conversation, because frankly, we talk about this a lot uh, on our own. Maybe less so from like the pulpit, but we talk about this a lot on our own. And um, I just want to encourage all of, all of us folks who um, are looking to be married, to have a family, that kind of thing. Um, I, think, I think we aren't in, under any delusion that like that's the only thing that matters in life. 
Um, I don't think we are, actually. I think we, we believe that there's uh, other really important things, too. Um, and I also don't want us to be under the delusion that we're living, th living anything less than a full life now. Um, we are living like an absolutely full and vibrant and beautiful life as unmarried folks in this church. Um, I know that's true about me. Um, I, this, this one time, um, before I moved up here, um, it was Valentine's Day, which is like the day where uh, I'm supposed to feel horrible about myself as a single person for some reason, right? <laughs> Um, and instead, I got together with a bunch of, uh, bunch of my friends, pizza parlor, trivia night, and we had a great time. We had so much fun, and I loved being with them. I loved it. I loved being with them, and it dawned on me, like, there's this conscious thought on that day where, where I just thought, like, wow, there's no deficiency of intimacy here. There is no deficiency of intimacy. Because there was like this free flow of love, of kindness, of patience, of honoring one another above ourselves, commitment to another, wanting to see one another's flourishing and growth and beauty and good things for each other. And, um, and now to like bring this back in kind of like the dating realm, like, um, it's really, really possible for us to go on a date with a person and like see incredible things, like want to encourage that person, honor them above ourselves the entire like length of the, the meal in the movie or whatever, right? Like to truly honor these people more than ourselves. And then as, you know, as it's extended into a, a longer relationship, it's possible to do this and honor and cherish somebody and want and actually see something good happen in their life as a result of being in a relationship. Um, and it, in a way that like uh, honors and cherishes this human being, loves them, right? Um, and whether that results in a person being married or not, like that, that's kind of besides the point because the goal is just to love the person in front of you. Um, it's about honoring and loving and respecting and caring and cherishing that person. Things being better off than when you left them for them and for myself. And so if you're not in the dating uh, world in our church, I, I really encourage you to check in with um, friends of yours who you know are, are in that world or wanting that. Um, ask them about what it's like. Just ask them, be curious, please. Ask how you can support and help. Um, give them reassuring words. Remind them of who they are in Christ. I want all of us to like be reminding each other of who we are in Christ by our faith in Jesus, that we're children of God, that we are overcomers, and that because of this, we have this freedom to live in an unburdened way to love. So one of the things that... Um, I've loved about this passage is how much I think it encapsulates. Uh, so I, I, in seminary, I studied spiritual formation and um, like academically, like, and also practically, it was a cool program where I got to, to be very practical about it. And one of the things that we, we focused on was the way that um, full acceptance and full love, it, we already have it. It's already there in Christ. We did nothing to earn it. It's a gift of grace. 
And now we get to be this conduit, this agent of that full acceptance and grace in the world. It's not a have to, it's actually a get to. Uh, it's not performative anymore. It's, it's like a natural expression. This is just me being myself now. This is us being ourselves now to be agents of love and acceptance. This is what I want for us as a church. So if we have faith in Jesus, he names us as children of God, as victorious, which makes any challenge that we face like an opportunity for God's love to be made manifest in a really vibrant and powerful way. And it's not something we have to do, it's something that we get to do. We get to be conduits, channels of God's love and grace on this planet in whatever setting that is in, in your family, um, in your work, uh, you know, dating, in your community, in your church. We get to be conduits of God's love and grace. Let's pray. So God, we want to, we're about this right now, God. I want this for our church right now. And Jesus, I, I know you invite us to be bold and ask for big things in faith. So I pray for uh, your grace to lead to like an overflowing amount of faith in our church, Jesus. Faith in you, that you are the Lord. And I pray that that faith would uh, deepen in us an assurance of who we are in you now, Jesus. Children of God, victorious. And so God, for a moment, we take a, take a pause just to acknowledge how that doesn't seem so in our lives. Uh, we might feel abandoned or orphaned, God, wondering where you are. We might feel like uh, total screw-ups, um, failures. Would you show your love to that, show your grace to that? We believe that, God, we believe in you, your ability to transform those things. We believe that, Jesus. And by, your faith, by our faith and by your work, by your work, Jesus, would you transform us from the inside out? And God, help us to be um, people who live naturally out of love for you, God. To pass along the great love that you've given us. So we love you, God. We honor you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.